it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, so for coverage of the game and everything that happened in Miami, check out the Ringer NFL show for their game recap. And on the site, you can read Danny Heifetz on Andy Reid, Roger Sherman on Patrick Mahomes, and Robert Mays on Kyle Shanahan's Super Bowl Deja Vu. On the Ringer's YouTube channel, make sure to check out Slow News Day with Kevin Clark live from Miami with a bunch of special guests like Miles Teller and Glenn Powell. You can watch and subscribe at youtube.com slash the ringer. Hello, media consumers. You got Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker of the ringer here. He's already laughing. He's already laughing. David, this was supposed to be an emergency podcast about the Iowa caucuses. (laughs) Using the term emergency in the figurative sense. Not the real sense like, oh, my God, our democracy is doomed. (laughs) Because if you're just tuning in, it's midnight on the East Coast. The Iowa caucuses happened this evening, starting at 8 p.m., but there are no results. None. Zero. Steve Kornacki and John King have just been pointing at empty boards all night. Mm. And what we've had is four hours of cable news hosts trying to fill time. <laughs> <laughs> the more things change, the more things stay the same, Brian. Um, you know... Especially with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren kind of like leading this cast of characters, the Democratic Party is, 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 you know, definitely making the claim to be the party of the people in this election cycle. And I think that they're really succeeded tonight, because if there's one thing that all Americans can agree on, it's that we're always trying to get apps to work and they never work the way we want them to. (laughs) So that's the early story tonight (laughs) that all over Iowa. The people reporting these results attempted to use an app that was designed for this purpose. The app did not work. Then they went to the backup system, which was a phone number, (laughs) a hotline where they could call in the results. They were placed on hold for an hour or more. And man, can we just go ahead and play this clip? There was this guy named Sean Sebastian who is, as far as we know, an official Iowa caucus person. He was complaining on Twitter that he was on hold. They put him on CNN, and then this happened. This is a real coincidence, Wolf. I just got off hold just now, so I've got to get off the phone to report the results. All right, uh, go ahead and report your results. Can we listen in as you report them, Sean? Yep. All right, let's listen. All right. Okay. Hi. Hello. They hung up on me. <laughs> they hung up on me. Okay. I've got to get back in line on hold. Oh. Um, they just hung up. It's uh, so frustrating, indeed. Uh, Sean, uh, we're going to stay in close touch with you. Sean Sebastian from Story County out in Iowa, a precinct secretary. Just wanted to report the results <laughs> of the caucus. There, uh, Sean Sebastian's like, you know what, Wolf? Please do not stay in touch with me tonight. <laughs> you just screwed up my shot at this. That what an oh incredible gosh. moment of television. By the way, earlier in the clip when they were talking to him, you could actually hear the hold music, the Democratic oh gosh, Party yes. of Iowa's hold music. Unbelievable, Ugh. dude. So 
now that there were no results, and by the way, we're just recording this because we're just going to lean into the meltdown at this point. The the story <laughs> is the meltdown. The candidates have already spoken tonight. It doesn't really matter who wins Iowa, or it certainly matters less than it did a couple of hours ago. Um, So we're just going to talk about the meltdown. Here's the first part of it, and the most obvious point we could possibly make. It's not like a foreign power is looking to interfere in the 2020 election and is watching this tonight and saying, my God, this is going to be easier than we thought. <laughs> but Putin can just go take a horse, another horseback ride. We didn't have to worry about this one. What a freaking mess. And what an incredible way to undermine democratic trust in the process the individual campaigns trust in the process oh not God. to mention every american's trust in the process um the new york times reported on this uh the, the app errors i think the the, the, the dateline or that there was time to eight it was last updated at 8:48 tonight east east coast time um so this was already in the offing like we we you know we could have foreseen these problems uh if if we were paying attention to the new york times but I just want every every sentence, every paragraph in this story is comical. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's trite to say it sounds like an Onion article, but like it, we're verging on, on sat, sat, satirical territory the whole way through. But I but there's, there's a paragraph about halfway down that I want to read that says, the new app was designed to improve the speed and efficiency of reporting election results and was tested by law enforcement and security officials. But details of the app, including the type of security it uses, its basic structure, and even its name, were a closely held secret by Democratic officials, <laughs> leading to rumors and confusion over how exactly the app functioned. Um, the, I mean, the the piece goes into a lot of like Twitter and otherwise online speculation of conspiracies, and I mean, I think that's I don't know if that's overstated, but I think you made the point that, you know, if anyone's actually trying, if, if the conspiracies are real, this, you know, there's, there's a door wide open for someone to drive a tank through. But, but it, I mean, I think that, like I said, that it's going to be conspiracies are par for the course at this point. The big issue is not someone trying to influence the election. It's that we can't influence our own elections by casting votes. You know, I mean, it's been, it, this is, this is, there is no amount of overstatement. There's no there's no statement that can overstate how much of a catastrophe this is, not just for Iowa. I think that and we can talk about the Iowa, the the, the, the pretense of the Iowa caucuses. I think we oh, yes. probably we're, we're probably through the last one of, of Iowa being as central as it is to the nomination process after this fiasco. Uh, it, th this is a terrible look for the Democratic Party um, because uh, it, it, I mean, it, in so much, I mean, it's not the candidate's fault. It's not necessarily the campaign's fault. But coming off of a off of the last election cycle, where everything seemed to be like you know contrived and in the bag for Hillary the whole way through, at least that was a perception. This was the election that's supposed to fix all that. Whether or not this is actually a reflection of that inadequacy in that department, it still feels that way. And like and and going and at the very base of it, I mean, this is this is the first contest of our presidential election of the most significant of the the election that we're supposed to be most concerned about getting the right results. And this might be we might be getting the right results tomorrow at noon or something. But this just <laughs> it just feels terrible. It feels like we've just failed. And that's not that's a, that's precisely what we didn't want coming out of tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. I want, let's take those points in order. 
Iowa is toast. I completely agree. It was already probably toast given all the stuff we've heard about demographics and why are we letting Iowa do this again and again and again. There's just no way in 2024 that Iowa gets to pick, that gets to go first. No chance. No chance. You blew it. You you had, as they said on CNN tonight, you had one job. Mm-hmm. And you you cannot count the votes. You don't get to go first. You're out. Can I say something before, before separate from the well? I mean, before we get wholly into the fiasco that is tonight. I mean, it's a little a little preamble to that. I noticed that I noticed that the end of Iowa was bubbling up. Uh, I mean, or, or the, the the possibility that this was the end of the Iowa caucus as being the first the first big vote. It's been a long-standing bugaboo amongst various parts of you know, various quadrants of Democratic voters, right? I mean, it always kind of seemed to be this like Iowa versus the rest of the party, uh, uh, um, head-to-head sort of combat situation. Yes, um, and all of these early caucuses have the same way. I mean, they 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 basically have like you know exa- or exacting ransom, saying that if they don't get to to vote exactly when they have in years past, then all hell is going to break loose. Whatever, but. People have long had a problem with Iowa being, you know, in the position that it's in. Particularly in recent years, there have been people who have taken taken issue with the whiteness of the of the Iowa electorate, the uh, sort of oversaturation of college and like retired voters because of just the I mean the time requirements that that are at stake in voting. I mean, it's so so in some ways it's sort of like a far left issue that we need to do away with Iowa. Today or in the in the past couple of days, but today in particular, when I woke up this morning and turned on the TV, suddenly you started hearing the voices of the Democratic establishment, who I think were were suddenly spooked by the specter of Bernie Sanders coming out ahead in all these polls. Suddenly you had like Chris Matthews on the air saying we need to do away with the Iowa caucuses, which is like the last person you'd ever expect to say that, right? I mean, it's just like there's all suddenly this, this the moderate, the institutional Democratic voices mm-hmm. are against the Iowa caucus, and now. Icing on the cake, as if they, like I was hanging on by a thread. They can't get their shit together to count a bunch of votes, and that's and like and the craziest thing about it is, I mean, I don't think the Iowa caucuses have ever been subject to this much scrutiny. We were talking just before we got on the air, but like there are cameras from every news station in every high school gym in the state of Iowa, filming people playing this game of musical chairs. It's nuts. The, the degree to which people are just like willing to get on the mic and just explain and, and try to explain the nonsense that's happening. I mean, it's not nonsense. I understand the process here and, and there's a reason for it and there's history and blah, blah, blah. But it has the, it just seems the amount of scrutiny that it's getting. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like if, if like 20 camera crews suddenly descend, descended on a Sunday bingo hall and like, and all, and everybody there is like very excited to explain to you how bingo works. Like, of course, <laughs> like it's so, it's such nonsense. But all this is to say that with all the scrutiny that is being placed on Iowa, there's one thing that you can understand. If this is your first time watching the Iowa caucuses, the one thing you understand is people are moving around the room and sitting in chairs or standing in circles to to show who they're voting for. All of this is on camera. Like the votes are right there on CNN and MSNBC and Fox cameras. And somehow we can't count them. (laughs) <laughs> There's no secret ballots here. There's no hanging chads. These are people who are being filmed, and we can't count the votes. Yes, they have all everything you just said is right. Iowa fucked up. They fucked up. <laughs> so great. And and I think it's a combination of scrutiny for Iowa, as you were saying, because of the demographics and all that stuff, and then also 
last but certainly not least, the cable network's need for content, right? Tonight, at the beginning of all their shows, which started more or less around 8 o'clock, they were going to correspondence in these random precincts and saying, hey, look, uh, Klobuchar's campaign is not viable. Uh, oh, my goodness, look, there's a lot of Bernie Sanders people in this corner. All of that was completely out of context to, to somebody mm-hmm. watching at home. That doesn't mean anything. That'd be like just me yeah. going to random polls on a you know normal election and going, oh, I just met a guy who voted for Trump. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> it was so mm-hmm. stupid. But yeah. I think that's part of it, too. Your second point was about the Democrats. It absolutely screws the Democrats. Absolutely. It screws the party as a whole because it makes them look like a clown car. It mm-hmm. screws the individual candidates as, because as people have pointed out on TV, somebody was going to get to declare victory tonight. They yeah. were already going to get stepped on by Trump's State of the Union speech on Tuesday. Now there's really no time to declare victory. And New Hampshire and, and the, New Hampshire becomes the kind of de facto first contest of this primary. Your third point was about conspiracy theories. Brad Parscale of the Trump campaign has already used the word rigged on Twitter tonight. Now, he's a bad actor, but Joe Biden's people wrote what CNN is calling a scathing letter to the Democratic Party saying they want to see, they want to hear about these irregularities before the results are announced. And you see what everybody's doing here. If you lose whatever the Iowa caucuses turn out to be, if we ever learn the results, you can look at it and go, I don't know. I don't know if we should count this. Maybe this is all one big batch of tainted meat. You know, yeah. let's just put yeah. that to the side and, and we'll start this campaign in New Hampshire, especially if you lose. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't even you don't even have to get into rigged, all that kind of stuff. You just say, look, this was a fiasco. Let's go to New Hampshire. That's exactly yeah. what's going to happen. I think it already happened. I think it's already started to happen tonight. I think that's right. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I, I find it. I mean, I think the big. I mean, the big loser. You're right. Is going to be whoever won. I mean, ironically, now, you know, if Bernie Sanders wins in a landslide, that's going to be that's going to matter tomorrow as well, right? It's going to matter whenever we get the votes. Um, but you know, it's just. It's just really hard to see anybody looking good coming out of this. I mean, it's just it's. I mean, I I mean, I will. I mean, we we can we can talk about you know the winners and the losers. And you, and you mentioned, by the way, that Biden statement. It, it's important, I think, to point out that that statement came from Biden's top attorney on his campaign. And I don't think. I mean, Biden, for one thing, was the second uh, candidate to give a speech uh, tonight, which was. Now everybody's given a speech before the results came out, but and Klobuchar was smartly first. She got out there ahead of everybody else. Biden's, you know, definitely seemed a little bit conciliatory. He he knew he had to fly to New Hampshire to keep his campaign moving, but also the fact that he was the first one to go with the to to go to his attorneys, I don't think was a good look for that campaign, right? I mean, the first, I mean, it had to be done, and they're all and everyone's gonna everyone's gonna be you know brawling over this to some degree, but. For the first, for the second statement after the after the Biden speech from that campaign to be from the attorney saying you better check with us before you release any results, 
that seems a little bit petty considering just the fiasco that we're in right now. Maybe it's not. Maybe unless, maybe, unless maybe you it, feel you lost the Iowa caucuses. And no, I think the, he did lose the Iowa caucus. I mean, I think that's the one thing that we know for sure is that is that Biden came out is going to come out not looking great in this. But I, but I don't. I think that he. I think that the best thing he could have done was to give a speech and move on to New Hampshire. I don't know that. He, I don't know that he needs to get in the get in the trenches in Iowa and and, and seem like. You know, just make it pronounced to the world that he's got a team of lawyers ready to work on his behalf like every corrupt campaign before him. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just overthinking it. As we sit here at 1218, we're in this amazing half state of an American election where nobody lost and nobody won. So as you mentioned, cable news is sitting there filling time and Amy Klobuchar gets the idea that since no results are coming anytime soon, she's just going to walk out to the podium and start talking. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, she has nothing to say about tonight because one, she didn't know anything Two, what's her best possible result that she kind of came in a sneaky fourth or something. Yeah. So she goes out and gives her entire stump speech and the cable networks just take the whole thing. It turns into a free ad for Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. And since and, she's and, first, we're all kind of paying attention because we're like, mm-hmm. oh, here, finally, we're hearing from a candidate. And then it just turns out to be Amy Klobuchar's please vote for me message. Yeah. And, and, and beyond all that, all the other candidates immediately followed her. So it looks like she's a leader, right? I mean, it looks like she, I mean, she was the first one with a good idea. The right the leadership big loser, for America. Amy Klobuchar the big loser knows to take this. advantage of free content. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, to me, I mean, from where I'm sitting and I just have like, I think it's MSNBC playing in a tiny like pop up window on my screen. The loser in this seems to be Elizabeth Warren, who was speaking at the same time as Joe Biden. Uh, I can't wait to hear that. Read the TikTok of who's most offended by this, uh, the, by this uh, incredible faux pas of giving your non victory, non concession speeches at the same time. Um but Elizabeth Warren's speech is now being played uh, on tape delay because she was going at the same time as <laughs> she's as like Biden. the NBA finals used to be in the early 80s. You know, we don't we don't carry this live. We show it on tape delay. By the way, did you notice watching these speeches tonight? This revealed how empty election night speeches are, how 98 yeah. percent of it is just the same speech, no matter whether you won or lost or in this case, mm-hmm. neither won nor lost. Yeah, it's just the same, just rickety old speech. Mm hmm. It was only it's only exciting if you have just some result to attach to it. I thought that yeah. was really funny. Uh, so Klobuchar went first, then Biden, as you say, Warren was speaking, came out while Biden was already on the stage. Apparently, then Bernie came out, and did his bit. I think we're still waiting on oh, Pete Buttigieg is now on TV. I'm spotting my TV here. I got to say this, too, about tonight, David. This was one of the most glorious nights in the history of cable news. I realize that's a big statement. I really do. It was an <laughs> absolute mess. An absolute mess. I turned on CNBC before 8 o'clock. There was this weird handover from Brian Williams to Rachel Maddow, which felt like oh, yeah. the handover of the White House from Obama to Trump. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're all smiles here, but it feels like there's a lot of tension beneath the surface. There's this handover. They're doing, as I said, they, they're going to Katie Turr and all their big correspondents or anchors who are just in these random caucuses and just 
throwing just information <laughs> at the audience that doesn't make any sense at all. Then it's and it's useless. It's useless. It's like it's like this one group of forty five people did a thing did a thing one way. Does that have any bearing on the rest of the state? Probably yeah. not. And they came out later and said there are almost seventeen hundred caucuses mm-hmm. happening in Iowa. So of course some little snapshot doesn't make any difference at all. So they do that, but they're just waiting and they keep saying we think we're going to have election results almost immediately. Any moment. You know how Wolf Blitz Wolf Blitzer is like the greatest hype man in television history. Any moment mm-hmm. now, folks. Stay with me. Stay with me. I, we expect to be giving you some information very shortly. Also, I noticed Rachel Maddow an hour into her MSNBC show said, this is the part of the show you're going to be watching. You didn't tell me that an hour ago. This is a, <laughs> You didn't say that at 8 o'clock. You said that at 9 o'clock Eastern. And wait a minute. <laughs> we were just filling for an hour. Then the results don't come in. And oh my gosh, how much did you enjoy ways that cable news hosts fill time? I, I turned <laughs> on CNN and David Axelrod and Terry McAuliffe were just, were just trading war stories about campaigns. And it, it felt like a kind of a sleepy night at the 92nd Street Y. It was just absolutely incredible. <laughs> they didn't have anything to say. It's like, yeah, tell me a story about when Obama beat Hillary in Iowa. <laughs> like we, should, we, should, we should have sent out 15 more correspondents to random polling places. That would have really helped fill up the time. Uh, Aaron yeah, Gloria it, Ryan, funny person on Twitter, says, please, Iowa, for the love of God, release your results. The pundits would like to put on their matching jammies and get into their monogram seven dwarf style pundit beds in the big, big treehouse where they all live dude, together. I would I would give anything for the CNN panel to have monogrammed pajamas so I could tell the tell, so I could remember whose name was what. Uh, it, th- this whole thing is just like. It's. I mean, the, CNN is like the cliche of the of the football halftime show, where they have like five thousand people that are just sitting at an ever growing desk. MSNBC, as you mentioned, was just like a rotating cast. Like they were bringing in, like the starter. They had like the starters out, and then like the bench mob came, and they were just like just like ready to to keep things rolling. It was, but going back and forth, the whole thing was presentation was very bizarre. What little I watched of Fox News tonight was just like seemed to be a regular episode of Hannity, where he was just like going to a correspondent who was. Uh, who was at a caucus and showing like a, a highlight package of of uh, Democratic voters seeming stupid, um, and I mean that just the presentation. Everybody's presentation was just fantastic. Um, they turned it into I don't Waters know if, World or something like that. Yeah, that was their coverage of the caucus. <laughs> I think Waters has moved on, so we have. Some, I don't know whose world it is now, but um, but yeah, it was just a very. It was just so so bizarre. Fox is playing uh, Mayor Pete's uh, speech right now, so I don't know if if we can gr- uh, grasp anything or draw anything from that, but who knows? Mike Francesa talking about funny people on Twitter has chimed in to say the two big winners tonight were President Trump and Bloomberg. Um, okay. Well, I've there heard were a lot this. of Bloomberg ads tonight. Yeah, and and I've I, there were people I think on on the other channel on on MSNBC and, and and CNN making this case too that Bloomberg I guess is like well for one thing he's out he's he's above the fray on this madness that's going on tonight but also there's a little bit of like the like uh you know it's a good look for the technocrat out there to say like oh I could fi- you know I I fixed a lot of things in this in New York City I could. I could certainly have done run a better election than this, I guess. Or I don't. I don't really know what the. I mean, I, I'm I'm not quite sure. He certainly, if anything, has got has had the success of getting under Trump's skin and and you know leading to Trump uh, tweeting 
uh, incessantly about him today. Um, so this and is definitely, the new campaign I mean, promise. I can fix how Iowa votes. I mean, Again, I don't not, not not healthcare or something like that. Did I, by the way, did, I, did my did my eyes deceive me that Henry Louis Gates Jr. kind of endorsed Bloomberg today? Did you see that? I saw that. No, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that that Gates was in like the New York Times Magazine. I didn't realize there was like an endorsement. And, and this, is this part of a media push? I don't really know what's going on. Among all the candidates, the person who I believe could stand toe to toe strongest and longest with Donald Trump is Mike Bloomberg. Henry Louis Gates Jr. Okay, but I I have I mean, a feeling you're I have a feeling you're right by the way, and I think that is the next day story, which is because people were starting to believe in Bloomberg. They've just seen so many ads. He's gotten under Trump's skin. They've seen the Super Bowl thing. It would be the most exciting story to write at this point, which is as we know is a great driver of journalism. And this whole thing of maybe it's going to be a big muddle starting with tonight through three more primaries. And then we get to Super Tuesday and Mike Bloomberg somehow magically wins the election. I don't know. If you want your people are going to talk about that. If I were going to be conspiratorial. um, I think that I mean, I think I would just draw a line directly to the, you know, the withholding of these results is is a deliberate attempt to sandbag the Sanders campaign. Right. I mean, to to make to, to to deprive him of the of the victory speech. Um, and and this is, and this to, is and David, to, by the way, coming up with a conspiracy theory. Yes, that he, he and thinks to he's mud- hear. This is not David saying this. No, no, Just and to bring it around, and to and to deliberately muddy the waters for one of for Bloomberg or, or someone of his ilk to sort of be able to to ride in, uh, you know, on his on his white horse or whatever. But but uh, I mean. I don't believe that to be true. I'm just, you know, making up conspiracy theories here. I, but I, I do think that that's. I do think that we're that because of the, because of what happened in Iowa tonight, we're we are for whatever reason going to hear the name Bloomberg a lot in the in the coming days. And I don't, I don't. <laughs> it's just sort of maddening if, if that's if that turns out to be the case. Um, I, I mean, other- I guess now would be the. I mean, if we're talking about if we're talking about Bloomberg, I guess now is the time to also mention, at least in passing, the specter of the John Kerry uh, write-in candidacy or whatever. Oh he was apparently God. caught in the buffet line talking loud, too loudly on the phone about about having to run for president to keep Bernie Sanders from destroying the party. Um, I assume he wasn't being too serious. Maybe he was, but it, it seems sort of unnecessary to to pass judgment. I. I I do think that the the I'm I am sort of stunned. You know, you we you you mentioned last week, or you've mentioned more than once about this idea that that you know the the mistake that the institutional Democrats made was going after Elizabeth Warren and then like opening up the door for Bernie Sanders just to bulldoze on through. I I don't think that like we've actually heard enough about just like the institutional Democratic Party's distaste for Bernie Sanders outside of the halls of like you know, the Bernie bros subreddit. I mean, I think that this is a real thing that, that the party's going to ha- should be wrestling with out in public and not in back rooms. I mean, this is exactly what the people were concerned about in the last primary. Yes. Well, we're going to, if Bernie is the winner at some point over the next week of the Iowa caucuses, we'll hear a lot about it because I mean, I was all prepared tonight to talk about Bernie winning Iowa and the democratic establishment just getting in line to try to stop him before he won New Hampshire and maybe effectively sealed the Democratic nomination by winning the first two. 
I thought that was gonna be a story tonight, honestly. Yeah. But but this may have and can you imagine if this is what results this just total fiasco, the late reporting of results is what results in Bernie not winning the nomination? You thought twenty sixteen was a little weird with Bernie versus Hillary online? Oh my god. That is going to be awful. It is going to be a huge mess. Yeah. Um, by the way, that it, it, Rick Santorum is one of those 900 people on CNN. <laughs> he reminded everybody that Rick Santorum won the Republican caucuses in Iowa in 2012. Here was the sure. problem. Romney was declared the winner on election night. And Rick Santorum wanted a day later. And as he said, and I thought he was actually the person you want to hear from tonight. He says, mm -hmm. all that matters is tonight because yeah. tomorrow it's already about New Hampshire. And he said, even though I won, I never won. And Romney won. And then he won New Hampshire and he sealed the, and he sealed the nomination. And I thought that was a great point. And I do think whoever, Whoever wins tonight, and by the way, there was enough anecdotal evidence basically to pick everybody except Biden um, on Twitter. It is there was anecdotal evidence to, to predict Biden on Twitter. I mean, it, that's a, that was sure. the problem with Twitter is that you just had people that were people that were tweeting out, you know, just photos of every of every voting block from every caucus room, and it, and if you just saw one, you you know, you would see six photos and it would be very compelling anecdotal evidence. Right. I mean, but, but you're right. I, I think that in all, it does seem like right. Like, you know, Biden didn't win and that is enough to sort of uh, pencil in where, what we're going to be thinking of his campaign tomorrow and the next day. We didn't mention John Kerry, by the way, tweeted a kind of denial or at least affirmation of his support for Joe Biden that included the F bomb then deleted the tweet and tweeted a cleaner version of it. <laughs> this is, this is, this is, we've said this before on this pod. This is the old, this is 2020 is the ultimate. Why not me election? Michael yeah. Bloomberg actually. Why not me? John Kerry is walking around Iowa on Joe Biden's behalf, thinking that all the time, obviously all kinds of people wish that Deval Patrick thought that. Remember, Deval Patrick is still is currently running for president. Just a reminder. I know he thought, "Why not me? These these guys don't look so tough. I could win this." I don't want to get away from cable news without fully appreciating it tonight, David. A couple more highlights. One was we talked about that Sean Sebastian guy. Van Jones read his anecdotal tweet on the air before Sebastian went on with Wolf Blitzer in that clip we paid. <laughs> He uh -huh. read the tweet and then he said, I don't know if it's true or not. Just on the <laughs> air. I'm just we're just reading Twitter tonight on cable news. What is this? The press box? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that. Speaking of which, our old friend Lindsay Zolads, a hundred bucks says somebody broke the whole caucus app by trying to write in D's nuts. I think <laughs> she could be right. Another favorite highlight from Twitter tonight, uh, Wolf Blitzer, I had this at 9.46, called the Iowa results a cliffhanger. He says, it's going to be a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. By the way, it is currently 12.34 a.m. So we are, we are my, my boy, are my arms tired. Yeah. I'm just, I am hanging on the cliff. David, credit to uh, David Graham on Twitter for that joke. The, um, 
We talked about Amy Klobuchar basically getting to do her stump speech. The whole thing, I mean, it really reminded me, obviously, it's not quite as as pervasive, but the cable networks, when they used to just air the whole Trump speech because they just wanted something to show, they're doing that tonight. Mayor Pete is still yeah. talking on television because, hey, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. Well, maybe he made the right move to go in last. We so could just talk as long as he wanted. I mean, it's it isn't. I mean, you're right that these some speeches are the same thing over and over again. And the real one of the real subtle geniuses of the Trump campaign was that he never said the same thing, or he, he did rely on some of the same catchphrases and went in the same riffs and whatever else. But it seemed like a new. You never knew what he was going to say, and so it was always must see TV, right? So they always aired it, and he was a very particular sort of magnetic candidate. Um, but. You know, I mean, I thought Bernie Sanders, who gave a speech that that I mean, that was just a bullet point list of of you know all of his his big ideas, and it's a speech that he's given many times before, although probably an abbreviated one. I thought he was really impressive tonight, and I think that sitting, I mean, in the seats that we sit in, that most voters are sitting in, you see, you most of your exposure to these candidates is in well, commercials if you're in a voting state, but or primary or caucus state. But for the most part, it's these debates, and you and it's easy to forget how good or bad someone can be on the stump, right? I mean, and Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders, I think, was really was was really really good. Elizabeth Warren, I would say, and again, I only caught part of her part of her speech because you know of the of of uh, you know the airing issues. But uh, she's she's fairly consistent, I would say. I mean, she's she's you know good on you know about the same quality on both both halves and. You can kind of go down the go down the row and just sort of grade people, but Bernie, I thought was really impressive tonight. And I think a lot, you know, if, if a lot of people are watching this because of the because of the lunacy of what's going on, you know, maybe his speech, maybe some of these speeches will actually affect people's opinion, you know, of the and and affect their votes going forward. Um, it's just a pity that that it happened the way that it did. The other big highlight for Bernie tonight, by the way, and again, all of the tweets, all the notes that we've both made, I'm sure, are completely outmoded. Because they're just because they they, they didn't they, everything happened before we realized that the story of the night was that the votes are not going to be haven't have not been tallied yet. But Bernie's <laughs> other Bernie's other big vote. There was a scene I saw where Bernie voters in one of the polling places were were uh, doing organized loud cheers to distract the other voters from from moving to the uh, from from voting the way they were trying they they were intending to vote. Because they're in these big gyms and it's just like, oh, the whatever, the Biden voters are trying to decide where they're going to. And the Bernie voters are just yelling really loudly like a soccer crowd so they can't tell what they're supposed to do. <laughs> it's kind um, of genius. It is. But it's like this is the, I mean, if, if there's any good if there's any upshot for I mean, upside for for the Iowa caucus process, it's that like all of the jokes that we were going to tell about how just inane this process is are now completely out the window. Now we're just complaining that their app is broken. But, uh, you know, I get. <laughs> I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, I mean where, where do we go from here? I mean, what what happens? What happens next? Let's just say we let's say we wake up tomorrow and have and have results. What what's the, what's the next step? I think you get a weird, belated victory speech. But I think what I think what we said a minute ago is going to happen is that you have you're going to have a lot of people just kind of looking askance at the at the results all the losing campaigns saying look it was weird maybe we need to do more research on this maybe we need to do something and kind of again not going full trump the election was rigged but just kind of introducing enough skepticism that officially makes or semi-officially makes new hampshire the first primary i think that's exactly what's going to happen 
Oof. And You're probably right. That's not great. And that's not great. By the way, save a spot in your heart tonight, David, for Data Guy. You know how every cable news network has Data Guy mm-hmm. who, who gets to stand in front of that screen? And tonight for Steve Kornacki, the screen was just blank. And he kept pushing the buttons. It's like when I used to like take the batteries out of one of my kids, you know, toys, because I just didn't like the noise anymore. And the kid would just push the button for a while, you know, and wonder what was wrong. <laughs> That's what Steve Kordaki looked like tonight. Poor Steve Kordaki. John King eventually, uh, John King left the big board and went and sat at the desk. Like, I'm done with this. This damn thing doesn't work that's anyway. Sad. That's like that's like Christopher Robin walking away from Winnie the Pooh. That's like the that's a terrible yeah. state of affairs. Oh man, totally. I mean, I uh, yeah yeah. I mean, I think that one really effective one. Re- I mean, one of the most effective lines of argument that Trump used four years ago was saying that the the primaries were rigged in Hillary's favor. And that so and 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 that Bernie got screwed, and that managed to probably depress turnout and flip some voters, some Bernie voters over to his side at the same time, and that re- obviously whether I mean that something worked out really well for him. I think that was a real big part of it. This might just be the perfect storm for Donald Trump because Bernie Sanders is going to come out and win, and th- this is the only Democrat that he's been giving any sort of like positive rub to for the for it if at all throughout the campaign and especially for the past you know four years ago and bernie sanders is going to win and it's and he's still going to trump is still going to be able to tell the story about how corrupt the democratic voting process is i think um, this is all just the perfect storm for trump yeah i think i think we're just maybe i've been in florida for a week and that's why i think that but we, i think we're just it's yeah whoo what an election we got here. By the way, Sean Fennessy sent us a note too. I don't want to I don't want to forget this. The the cable news panel was melting down about how this would impact the morning newspapers tomorrow. The fact that this decision was laid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are print guys and we were not worried about the fact that the morning paper would not have the headline. Oh, brother. Oh, man. All right. Oh, man. David, it's it's 1240. We got nothing. We just got a meltdown. Um, I'm, let's put away our notes about Biden's rural strategy <laughs> and how Hillary may have swung the election to Bernie. I'm looking, reading off my paper here about first alignment and second alignment, and all that other crap they were going to report tonight. We got nothing. This is a, this is a <laughs> this is a caucus with no results. That's it. That's I- the pod. But one of my one of my lost notes, one of the notes I was going to I was going to read before everything just went to shit, was that I was just entranced by this concept of the viability threshold. As we were doing, as as in, in every caucus room, it was like if you didn't get X number of votes, you didn't meet the viability threshold. And this this phrase kept getting repeated over and over again, <laughs> and it just it just made it seem so unnecessary unnecessarily serious. And it also and also sort of like a science fiction movie from the eighties, but. Uh, I think at the end of the day, what we've proven is that uh, the Iowa caucus has not passed the viability threshold, and now we're just all left adrift and probably going to be doing another emergency podcast within the next four, 36 <laughs> to 48 hours. So. American democracy is not viable, but damn it, this podcast is. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Research by Erica Cervantes and Chris Almeida. Production magic by Jim Cunningham. I guess we're back later this week with a winner. <laughs> I Maybe. guess, man. What the hell? And more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian. Mayor Pete is still talking. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>